Good morning, brothers and sisters. So we sang one of those songs that says, you know, the storehouse of snow. You know, I'm I'm sure that popped in everybody's mind that, you know, it might be a little emptier now. (laughs) So, but uh, what an amazing God we have, don't we? Amen to that. Amazing, amazing God that we have. And, uh, And, you know, he's... Love never changes for, for any of us. You know, our love is fickle at best, but his love is unchangeable, unshakable, and you all right? No, no, Okay. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and, and his love is uncomprehensible, uh, un- so uh, everything. But good morning. It's good to see everybody here today and... And uh, it's nice that the parking lot's nice and dry and, <laughs> and all those good things. But uh, so if you would, uh, turn to me, turn with me to First uh, Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. Okay, so before I pray, I just want to let you know that the when 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 you study a passage like this you know and and you teach like you know Dick teaches Sunday school and I preach and teach up here or sometimes teach Sunday school and Dick likewise is will will alternate or anybody that teaches you know uh, out there you know when you study a passage like this you start to think about yourself and you're like okay am am I the false teacher and so you know um so yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys that, you know, when you look through this, you're like, oh, is this me? A- am I this guy? And so, uh, Lord willing, I'm not this guy. So, and uh, I don't think I'm this guy, but it's still out on Dick. We're not sure yet, but but we're pretty sure he's not either. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dig in. Father, you're you're so good, and you're so gracious to us that we can... Lord, that, that we can even open your word and that we can read it and we can study it and we can preach it and we can teach it with no worries of persecution as of yet. And yet, Lord, we know in many other countries where the church meets underground, where they are persecuted, Lord, and we live in such a, a way that we do not know this, but yet, Father, help us to see you as they would see you, Lord, in all your glory, in all your majesty as we read your word through the week and as we study your word through the week and as we pray to you, Lord. Father, now I would just ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we look into your word. Lord, that you would be with those who aren't here today, Lord, because of back issues or because of emotional issues or Father, because of joyous things, of baptisms, Lord, that are taking place, Father. We just ask that you would just be with them who aren't here today, Father, and be with us here that are here, Lord. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would come and and open our eyes to see, Father, what you have for us today. In your name, amen. So the DNA of a false teacher. So DNA is what makes us up, right? We have this strand and... I remember listening to uh, John MacArthur preach on his series in creation, and he talks about uh, 
that uh, monkey DNA is monkey DNA and human DNA is human DNA. And that's how it works. You know, we don't come from monkeys. And so DNA is what makes us up. The, the reason that our, we have the hair color that we have, the eye color that we have, the, you know, our ears, our noses, all that is our DNA makeup, right? And so what Paul is going to go and do us today is he's going to show us the DNA makeup of false teachers. And obviously there had to be some big time things happening with false teachers in Ephesus because here we are in chapter 6 and this is like the third time that Paul is addressing false teachers to Timothy. And so we've talked about false teachers before. And so, again, he's going to show us what makes up the false teacher, the actual disease of the false teacher, how, how sickly the false teacher is. And not only in the time of Ephesus, but in, in our time too. So look with me at First Timothy. We're just going to look at verses uh, 3 through 5 of chapter 6. And this is what the apostle tells us. Uh, start with like the end of chapter 2 or the end of chapter, uh, verse 2, sorry about that. He says, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and not the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are deprived in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining or yeah, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now the ESV stops it there. The New American Standard stops it there. The King James says, and have nothing to do with them. I don't know why they didn't put it in there but they should have put it in there because it's absolutely crucial that we have that part to have nothing to do with them in that, in that state. So anyways, so this is the text that we're at. So the first thing I want to look at is Paul addresses this if anyone, if anyone. This simply means that the false teachers were on scene. They were there. They were in the church. They were teaching false doctrine. They weren't teaching sound doctrine. And not only in that time, but in our times now, they are here. And we have to be conscious of who they are. We have to know what we're looking at. Tim Chalice, we've listened to some of his stuff in the Sunday School. He gives seven descriptions of false teachers. Seven descriptions of false teachers. Here they are. The first one is the heretic. And, he, and this one brings in destructive teaching. Then there's the charlatan only interested in the Christian faith to fill his wallet. The prophet is the one who brings new revelation from God other than what the scriptures have already told us. The abuser uses their position to take advantage of others, whether it's sexually or it's dominating people to gain power. They're manipulating people. The divider uses false doctrine to disrupt or destroy the church. The tickler, nothing from what God wants but only what man wants. He preaches an empty gospel to packed out churches. This person is one who is a man pleaser. He wants to preach on heaven, but not hell, happiness, but not sin. He gives the people what they want to hear. 
This is the tickler. This is the one that Paul warns about in 2 Timothy, that they will, in latter times, they will uh, uh, acquire teachers from themselves. They want tickling ears. And we all know that there are those that are out there that do this. And then finally, there's the speculator. He's obsessed with novelty, originality, or speculation. He tosses the Bible aside for trivial matters. So those are seven false teachers that we have. And we can today, if we wanted to, we can put names to those people that are here today that we need to stay away from. So what's the DNA of the false teacher? What's the, their disease that we're looking at? Well, first of all, we have to look at their teaching. Their teaching. Look at verses, verse 3. Paul says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. So first of all, we have to see is they have a different doctrine. They have a different doctrine that is different than the Lord's Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.3, we looked at already, says this. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So that we know in Ephesus there was those that were teaching other doctrines. So the false teacher, their disease starts with their teaching of a different doctrine. Now this doctrine is going to contradict God's word. There's going to be errors in creation, right? The Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal 24-hour days. Their doctrine might come in and be errors in that area god's existence the sufficiency of christ's death we'll have those that will preach on yeah we need christ's death but we also need something else so they preach works related instead of the sufficiency of christ's death the person and work of christ was Christ really the Son of God? Is Christ really 100% God? They challenge his claims. Was he really 100% man and 100% God? They challenge his miracles. The Trinity, because the Trinity is not said in the Bible. We don't see the word Trinity. So this is what false teachers come in. They teach a different doctrine. Paul tells the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, he says this, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. This is what Paul tells the elders, that among you are going to be men that come in and they're going to teach doctrines that aren't right. Need to be alert. We all in this congregation, we need to be alert to false doctrine that could come in. Not only that, but their doctrine is not sound. It's not sound. It is doctrine that is tampered with. It's not wholesome doctrine. That's what the King James Version tells us, that it's doctrine that's not wholesome. It's not sound. It's all over the place. False teachers are in a continuous state of not agreeing with the words of Jesus. They're always disagreeing with them. 
health, wealth, and prosperity. Right? God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to prosper. Right? Well, Jesus missed out on that one because the Bible tells us that Jesus says the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. At one point in time, Jesus was homeless. Right? The Word of Faith movement. These are people that tamper with the doctrines, but they'll talk about Jesus and they'll talk about God, but they tamper with the doctrines. Listen to Galatians 1, 6, and 7, what was going on in the Church of Galatia. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. These were the Judaizers. They were coming down and they were saying, yeah, you need Christ, but you also need circumcision. It was the work stuff. It was a different gospel. The gospel that we preach is what? Christ alone, right? It's the solas. It's faith alone, grace alone. Scripture alone, to God be the glory alone, Christ alone. That's our salvation, and that's what it's rooted and it's grounded in. And when anybody comes and takes that alone out and says plus, they're wrong. It's a false doctrine, and they're a false teacher. And we have to be careful that we don't get legalistic. We have to be careful that we don't sit there and put legalistic terms on ourselves. We want to read our Bibles, yes. We want to pray, yes. We want to come to church, yes. We want to come to prayer night, yes. But we want to do that because of what Christ has already done for us. We don't want to do that to be accepted. The false teachers are going to bring in these doctrines and are going to say, yeah, exactly. You have to do this to be more accepted by God. No, brothers and sisters, you are fully and completely accepted in the beloved because of what Christ did. Now, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That's the gospel we preach, not a false gospel. So this is what the believer needs. The believer needs the words of Christ. Listen to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your heart to God. 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And again in 1 Peter 2, 2, like newborn infants, this is what Peter tells us, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation. I love that example. This is what we need to be doing. And this helps us to be on guard of the false teachers, right? Right? When we long for that, for the pure spiritual milk, like a baby, the baby wants its mother's milk. Why? Because it's nourishing. It has everything that it, the baby knows that that mother's milk has everything that it needs to grow healthy. The Bible, brothers and sisters, this is everything we need to grow healthy. We should long for it. We should be in it. And when we're in it and we're reading it, boy, we're going to know that false teacher like that. Our radars are going to go, bing, that's not right. We're going to know that right off the bat because we are these. So simply put, false teachers have no commitment to scriptures. The truth is simple. A false teacher will not attach himself to the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they will talk about Jesus. Their lives will not be attached to him whatsoever. So, and then finally in this first verse, their doctrine does not produce godliness. 
godliness, this piety, this holiness, this Christ-likeness. Their teaching will never produce that. They're known by their fruits. Listen to Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree, this is our diseased teaching, bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So we have to be careful. We have to see their fruits. And now we're going to kind of see what those fruits are, right? So secondly, I want us to look at is not only are they diseased in their teaching, but they're diseased in their character. They're diseased in their character. 1 Timothy 6.4. He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicions. So the first thing is is he's puffed up with conceit. This word is amazing. It means he's prideful. It means he's arrogant. But it's like a puff of smoke. So he's a windbag. That's what he is. He's a windbag. He blows smoke. He's got nothing of substance. That's what it's talking about. But we have to understand they're conceited, so they're prideful men. They're arrogant men. They're pompous. They're unteachable, uncorrectable. They know it all. They have an answer for everything. This is their conceit, right? 2 Timothy 3.2 says this about these people. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This will be their character. Their character will have this in store for us. So they speak arrogant words. Because they're puffed up, they speak arrogant words. Colossians 2.18, let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions, puffed up without reasons by his sensuous mind. And Second Peter 2.10, and especially those who indulge in the lusts of defiling passions and despise authority, bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious one. This is Peter talking about false teachers. And in Second Peter 2.18, He continues, for speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They are arrogant in all ways, puffed up, puffed up. There is no humility whatsoever. And because they're puffed up and they're conceited, Paul says what? They understand nothing. They understand nothing. Even though they might have seminary degrees, They might have gone to the best seminaries. They might have read the best people to read. But if they're a false teacher, Paul says they understand nothing. They understand nothing. Look at verse 4 again. He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Proverbs, Solomon talks about this person in Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? We do that, right? Do we see a man who's wise in his own eyes? 
Who's the smarty pants, right? There's more hope for a fool than for him. This is God's word, right? God's word. There's more hope for a fool than a man who thinks he's wise. That is crazy. And that's these false teachers. They understand nothing. Jude, Jude talks about these false teachers. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Again, in verse 16, he says, These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouth boasters. We know anybody like that? Do we know anybody that preaches like that? All they're out to do is to show how wise they are, how much education they have. They're just what? They're loud mouth boasters. That is it. Showing favoritism to gain advantage. Paul is very clear. Jude is very clear. Peter is very clear on what we are to look at. They are pompous, arrogant fools is what they are. Thirdly, their corruption. We see their corruption. First Timothy 6, 4, and 5. He is puffed up with conceit, understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy. And for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicions. And constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So first thing, there's this controversy. This controversy means that there's word battles. They battle over words. False teachers battle over words. They, they dispute the authorship of the Bible. They dispute the Gospels. Do they really match up? Are they really saying what they say? Well, this Gospel says this, but this Gospel says that. Well, this Gospel talks about this, and the Gospel of John talks about this. So they dispute over these things. There's Always controversy. They like to talk about myths and genealogies. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 1.6. Certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertion. And then in verse 4, he says it this way, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God is by faith. So they wrangle over words, over authorship. That's what they argue about. Well, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, no, that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You know, I had a question this week. It doesn't really apply to this, but it's, it's a wrangling over words. One of my customers came in yesterday, and he says, Mark, there's a, there's a controversy in the Christian faith, and I want to know what you think about it. And I'm like, okay, what's the controversy? And he says, when we die... Do we go right to heaven or do our bodies stay in the grave? I said, yep. How was your week? <laughs> and he just looked at me and I said, because the Bible says both. So, yep. No controversy. 
But those are the things we can get caught up with, right? We can get caught up with all the wrong things and we can wrangle over all the wrong things instead of being gospel-centered and being centered on who Christ is and his person and his work. We can, we can make these things and we can blow them out of proportion. 2 Timothy 2.14, you know, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words. This is what we're not to do. We're not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearer. We are to preach and teach sound, wholesome doctrine because that's what the sheep need. That's what we need. These guys, their battles produce what? What's what's Timothy tell us? This is what their battles produce. They produce envy. They produce dissension or strife, slander, evil suspicions. You know, they, 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 they talk to people who are depraved in mind and they're deprived of the truth and that's the false teacher is the same way. The false teacher, he is depraved of mind. He's depraved. He's, he's rotten. This word depraved means to rot or decay. And we know what that is, right? When you've got something rotten in the refrigerator and you open it up, you're like, oh, man, right? That's what it is. Or you smell something rotten in the garbage. Oh, man, it's like, and it's decaying. It's got this bad smell. This is what, this is what Paul says. They're, they're deprived of mind. This is what's going on in their mind. They've got a rotten mind, a decaying mind. That's what's happening. And it, and it flows to people. 2 Timothy 3.8 says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified in regarding the faith. They're deprived of truth. This deprived means they're destitute of truth. There's no truth whatsoever in them. They are unbelievers. The word of God does not dwell richly in them. They're not a saved person. They have never been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 2.18 says it this way, they have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They're upsetting the faith of some. Paul calls them out. Hymenaeus, Philetus, Alexander. We should call them out too. T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen. We need to call them out too. Stephalo Dollar, Tilton, Hagen, White, these are all false teachers, false prophets. And their motive is one thing. And that's what Paul talks about too. Here's their motive. Look at verse 5. And constant friction among people who are de- depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. This godliness, this means of gain, you know what it is? It's all about the money. That's all it is. It's all about the money. We'll pick on Captain Smiley, right? Joel Olstein. He has the largest church in the United States. He's one of the wealthiest people in the world. And he is a false teacher. And he has the largest church because he preaches what people just want to hear. He doesn't preach on sin or anything like that. I watched the thing with Cephalo Dollar. He asked his congregation, he says, I need a new airplane so that I can go and spread the gospel better. I I watch this, brothers and sisters. I watch this on TV. You know what? They bought him a new airplane. These are charlatans. 
All they want is the money. They see it as gain, the perks, their wallet. We see it in Acts 8 with Simon, right? Simon says this now in Acts 18 through 23. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. He wanted it. He wanted to gain, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Simon wanted the Holy Spirit for what? For his gain. For his gain, he wanted to purchase it with money. This is these people. Peter talks about it again in chapter 2. If you want to read a really good section, read 2 Peter chapter 2, and he talks about the desires, the character, and all the affections of the false teacher. And he says this in verse 3, And in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Again in verse 15, he says, Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. All they want is the paycheck. That's it. They just want to get rich. That's the charlatan. That's their motive. So Paul gives us those four characteristics that is diseased. Their teaching is diseased. Their character is diseased. They are corrupt and their motive is diseased. So where does that leave us today? What are we to do? What are you and I to do? How do we apply this, right? Well, one, we got to always be aware of who's in the pulpit, Right? Even to the Ephesian elders, Paul says what? Those will, they'll, they'll come to you in sheep's clothing. Jesus says it in Matthew 7. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but they're really ravenous wolves. So we have to really dissect who's in the pulpit or who's teaching Sunday school or who's teaching youth group or who's teaching kids Sunday school. We always have to be careful of that. So we have to be sound in our doctrine. We have to know the gospel. We have to be solid on the gospel. Because if we're solid on the gospel, then now it means we will have sound doctrine. We will have wholesome teaching. We must be. I tell you this, brothers and sisters. We must be dialed in on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a must. Secondly, This gospel will keep you and I humble. It will keep us humble. Because what we see in the gospel is we see our need for Christ. We see our need for him to be our sin bearer. We see our need for him to rise from the grave so that we are justified. We see our need for him as he intercedes for us because we see our weaknesses. So we need to see his strength. And that Seeing him for everything that he is in light of who we are keeps us humble. This will keep us from being conceited or arrogant or puffed up. And trust me, when you get arrogant and you get puffed up, God will knock you off your throne. 
He will do this. And you might not like how he does it, but he will do that. Keep the gospel always in front of us. We will know the false teachers and we will stay humble because we will see who Christ really is. Third, the gospel, we need to be centered on Christ and that'll keep us from any corruption. Even as we teach, if we remain Christ-centered and gospel-centered, this will keep us from wrangling about words and controversy over words. Our gospel will produce joy and hope and love and not envy and dissension and strife and evil suspicions. Stay in gospel-centered. And finally, the gospel will keep us content. Will keep us content with what we have. Because you want to know what, brothers and sisters? We don't need any money. We don't need any gain because we're the richest people on the planet because of who we are in Christ. We have it all, right? The Bible says that we are heirs with Christ. And if Christ owns it all, guess what, brothers and sisters? So do we. We have it all. We're the richest people. We don't need any gain We don't need any of that. We need to keep the gospel centered. So today, let's keep our eyes open to false teachers and yet concentrate on sound doctrine, this wholesome doctrine, so that we may expose the false teachers, but yet we may be rooted and grounded in Christ's love for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you that you are so clear, Lord, in your word on how to dissect the false teacher, Father. What makes the false teacher up? Lord, I pray for us who teach here at Faith Bible. Lord, I pray that we would stay gospel-centered, we would stay Christ-centered, that we would stay humble. Father, I pray for the congregation here, Lord, that we would see that there was nothing we could do to save ourselves, and yet you saved us. We didn't merit it, and yet your grace came to us. Father, thank you so much that you took us from the pit of hell and you placed us in your beloved kingdom. Lord, may this keep us humble. Father, may we walk humbly before you. In all these things, Lord, may you be glorified in our lives. Father, keep our eyes open. Help us to be safe in who we read and what we read. In your name, amen. Please, brothers and sisters, let's stand as we sing our last song.